Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker-Humphreys and producer Becky. The morning after Arsenal, Wolfsburg, Champions League, semi-final. Vibe check, guys. Oh, heartbreak city. Terrible. You know, you know, after the last game you said something shifted. Yeah. For me, that was this game. Something has shifted. I had the weirdest stress dreams last night oh god what happened i actually had a counterpressed stress dream <laughs> what happened <laughs> Flow <laughs> straw just dropped. is it because people have been privately quote tweeting us is that why <laughs> um we were recording in like spotify cafeteria and everyone else was obviously like in there um, and you were like, shut and up. Literally, I kept having to be like, please, can you be quiet? And I kept looking at Jonathan <laughs> in my dream, being like, Jonathan, can you tell him to be quiet, please? Jonathan, our, essentially our, our boss, being like, Jonathan, please have a word, would you? So, yeah, and I had like a load of weird dreams. So something really shifted for me last night wow. in a bad way. Oh, God. Jesse, how about you? Well, I had quite a nice time. It was a lovely <laughs> evening you enjoyed a game you and i got a free pint from leah williamson yeah. at the end of it you enjoyed a drink courtesy of leah williamson in the tollington after she'd put some money behind the beer behind the beer <laughs> behind the bar while she was pulling pints um obviously it, it was probably meant to be a celebratory uh tab for everyone but it's but still worry, as a chelsea fan i was there to <laughs> scoop it up when all the arsenal fans had gone home because they were sad did your brother get a drink as well my brother did get a drink how was he one. feeling poor edward yeah, I think pretty gutted. The yeah. mood in the tolly was... Subdued. Well, I think, yeah, subdued's the word because I think lots of people recognise, you know, how amazing and impressive kind of Arsenal's journey in the Champions League has been this season given everything they've gone through as a team. And maybe also, though, a bit of, like, shock. I don't know, mm. I was talking to you about it this morning, Flo, but that feeling of that, the Wolfsburg goal was so horrible sickening it just takes so the wind sickening. out of you it, it was like awful. almost unreal like one of those moments where you can't believe what yeah. you've just watched yeah it was it was horrible um and after it happened i just wanted to cry i just felt so gutted for wow you guys really got in your yeah. field and and for a lot of women moy because she'd had such yeah. a good game and i just was like no not this not her like the arsenal local girl arsenal fan this is her dream she's been doing so much press as well and i'm just like not her not this that's what broke my heart because it's it's you know one wants to see an individual error be the reason why 
you get knocked out of a competition. But I just think it's horrible when it's like it comes down to one person's. But equally, penalties probably would have been just no, as cruel and just as horrible. I don't think so. I was, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about like the the heartbreak that I have experienced in football, and you know, England men losing on penalties to Italy, Liverpool um, losing. Champions League finals and I just think this is like you think it's worse it's it's so much worse than losing on penalties because penalties you're like okay it's just like I just feel like penalties is so much more like torture because it's sustained it's torture while you're in it but you can leave the penalty shootout and say oh my god we did almost you know everything we could and at the end of the day sometimes penalties just Mm. don't go your way like I don't subscribe fully to their just luck thing but it's close to that right whereas ultimately Arsenal go away from that game being like we should have won it we kind of fucked it yeah. at the end like you can't look at it any other way like we can say that Arsenal put together a very good performance given who they had available and you know they they really pushed all the way to the end even though like players were dropping like flies but they still unfortunately did fuck it mm. like I think oh, that's the dif- I, I think that's it. the difference it's horrible I was so upset to- Potentially too much information, but I'm like a week away from my period, so I think I took it so hard. Yeah, we I said, was like, I'm gonna cry. We said uh, we were kind of like holding each other, at, like just like oh, just the just, just the it's like the way that we all just like, sat there when the silence. Time was it so, was the silence. Oh, yeah, there, there was just shock. Oh, <sighs> it's actually it's actually making me sick to think about it. it well, strap yourselves in because we're about to talk about, <laughs> about half an hour. Um, obviously, on today's show, we're gonna be chatting about last night's semi final, but we're also gonna touch on. The WSL relegation battle, which took yet another turn on the weekend. It's becoming more exciting than the title race, actually, because it, it's just all to play for. It's all to play for, guys. Um, anyway, let's get cracking next. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Right. I mean, I don't know what more to say. Everyone knows what's happened. So shall I, I just shall I just scream? <laughs> <laughs> Becky's just going to do an audio representation of the feeling in the room. Um, yes, Arsenal lost to Wolfsburg in the last minute of extra time, Ooh. and it never take, gets nicer to think about. No, and it couldn't, couldn't take the game to penalties. It was a horrible mistake from Lotta Wimmoy who goes to take on Eula Brand and Wimmoy had been having the game of her life I think is the best game I've ever seen from her in terms of like consistency and just control and confidence she gets the assist for the Gem BT goal as well and with that she obviously thinks I can do anything I can take on Eula Brand who's just come on fresh legs I don't even know if, if it's that she's like I can do it. It's that like she's been kind of put in a position where she has to do it. Yeah, you, Zinsberger did kind of you know roll yeah, out to like I'm, go on Lotta. I'm a bit anti Zinsberger on yeah. this one more on Lotta. I think Zinsberger as a whole was very poor last night. She was a liability. She was from the first minute to the last. Someone next um, to me compared her to a seal. <laughs> <laughs> naming no names. Oh, naming no names. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was horrible to watch. And I think it's important to also, I mean, I know that Arsenal players and Jonas Edeval was reflecting on this. It's like that mistake is not really what defines them in this game as a whole because they 
do want to celebrate the journey and they should celebrate the journey because they should be proud of the fact that they made it this far with the bare bones no and knees. literal teenagers on the bench. Um, but it is just so frustrating because they were so close to taking it to penalties. But as a whole, their performance last night, Jesse, was very good, even though they did ship three goals. I don't know if I would say it was very good. I felt like both teams weren't great and that <laughs> therefore made it a very entertaining game like I enjoyed it I don't know I think both sides had chances to win mm. I don't think you can sit here and say like Arsenal deserved to win I thought Wolfsburg equally created some great chances um could have scored way before um Paulina Bremer did equally so so could have Arsenal um I think I'm more critical of Wolfsburg for how they played because given the injuries for Arsenal, I think even to be competing in this game uh, and creating the chances they did, that was like impressive in and of itself. Like I don't really have much interest in breaking down like how Arsenal set up because they set up to just play a football match because that was basically all they could do. Um, and and what they did, I think, with who was available was was really impressive. You know, the, the switch to the back three in the first leg and this leg, I think, I think both times looked really good. Um, although equally both times, you know, conceded from from being pressed, which we've seen repeatedly be a problem for Arsenal and unfortunately for Wobbemoy this season. Um, and the thing is, is if you if you watch that footage, which everyone will do before when you're prepping to play Arsenal, it kind of feels like a an obvious thing to do when she's playing. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think Wolfsburg were very impressive and I thought that was a much more disappointing given the quality of players that Wolfsburg have at their disposal and the fact is is that Wolfsburg won the game in my opinion because they had fresher legs to bring on you know I think if Wolfsburg are in Arsenal's position you're not getting you know Eula Brand charging around like she was like a little kid's toy who'd been wound up and at the back and then let her to go and like I love I love Brand like I think she's an incredibly talented player I think she showed everything that she's about in that game but yeah there was a massive benefit to being able to bring her on for what the last 20 minutes of a match. Yeah, when you look at the two benches, it's just like completely different scenarios Lena for both. coming on and just jogging about. Well, we'll get on to that. The first leg felt to me, Jesse, what you were saying about last night, which was we're just going to have to play this game and see what happens. But then they pull those goals out and save the save the leg right and save the tie but it was a kind of needs must performance whereas the second leg for me it felt like Arsenal came there with more of a distinct plan you know because it's obviously they're at home and they they went for it and I didn't see that in the first day because they were from home and because of the context and everything it was like right we just got to survive really whereas last night because they knew that it was all or nothing and you know win win this and they win the tie it just felt it felt different and they they felt like they were more organised and know what they were doing and how they could exploit Wolfsburg, playing those balls in behind very early to Blackstenius, getting that goal and using the width more. They were so narrow against Wolfsburg in the first leg, which they had to do because, you know, they were like doubling, doubling up on Oberdorf and Blackstenius was dropping so deep, but they kind of switched it up entirely last night and were like, right, Blackstenius are going to run beyond, try and find that gap in behind. They're going to use the width more with Catley and McCabe. Pelova was fantastic last night, you know, playing in that more of a 10 role that we've seen her, having the kind of protection of Leah Volti behind her as well. I just thought it was more kind of, it was more, even though 
they've still not got great depth and great tools. It was more an Arsenal that I would expect to see when they were fully fully fit and and um and strong. So that's why it was kind of so impressive. And then that back three of Warren Moy, um uh, Rafael Souza and Jem Beatty, it actually like I wonder how that moves going forward without the injuries because actually it makes so much sense now because you've got like the size of Jen Beatty and you know she can kind of mop things up. You've got Rafael Souza and Robin Moy who are very good on the ball and you've still got the the height as well and the strength at set pieces. I kind of feel like actually even though that set up backfired in the City game, you know, a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, it feels like it could be the the, the setup that rescues Arsenal season a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be have to be the setup they play <laughs> yeah, they with play for the anyway. rest of the season. I think. Um, I think my con. I mean, I, th- I think as a, as a system, you know, it's like however you want to set up a system, it's got it's got benefits, it's got disadvantages. I think long term, those three, the way Joan Beatty drops off the back of that, I was like, this is an offside trap going wrong way to happen. <laughs> but fortunately for her, it didn't. Um, so I don't I don't know how how much I'd want to watch that uh, that trio in the future. Um, but yeah, I I think that's you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. Though is I think what we saw from Arsenal was a lot of very high individual performances and obviously you know being at the Emirates the crowd the motivation of the Champions League semi-final being able to reach the final I think you saw everyone go up a level I mean this is the kind of game that Sheena Blackstenius thrives on I think you know Wolfsburg's centre-backs always make me feel ill whenever I watch them play and you could see how much Blackstenius had them had them rattled um I thought Victoria Pullover was great, although there was kind of this irony that I feel like you only saw her really get into the game when she did come in and move more central when Blackstenius had to go off. Um, and that, again, I was like, oh, this is where the the players being missing doesn't quite work because I'd have liked to see Pullover in the middle from earlier, but then she's kind of playing out wide, but blah, blah. I thought Katie McCabe was was great. I thought Noelle, Noelle Maritz had a, had a good game and it was maybe unfortunate that... That she had to go off, especially given then what happened to Wienreuter. Um But yeah, I thought f- from an individual's perspective from Arsenal, it was probably with the exception of Manu Sinsberg, a very impressive, uh, impressive performance um, in the end. And that's what you need in those games. But also sometimes you just need stuff to go, to right. go your way. And it's, it's funny, you know, you look at Chelsea and Arsenal and I think for both of them, you can say, they they played really well, but there was just these like moments where in both games for both teams where they switched off, and ultimately that's that's kind of what costs you in the end. Yeah, it does feel weird for me to be like, wow, this Arsenal back line is the way forward when they shipped five goals across two games, which isn't exactly you know. But I two of like, which were self inflicted, two of which were from set pieces. But like what I say, defending is dead this season. So what can you do? But I do. I, you I just I, send Jambiti up top. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you can ship as many goals as you want when you got <laughs> big Jambiti up top. She's gonna head them all in for you. It was a, a classic. <laughs> it was a classic Serena Vigman Emma Hayes move shifting Jambiti up top in the seventy something minute. The way I still believe Chelsea would have forced extra time against Barcelona if we had Millie Bright to play at number nine. <laughs> um, but it came up trumps in the moment. And I think that was what's... That that def- that really sums up Arsenal this season, right? It's like, even when they don't have the depth, they feel like they can find another joker in the pack to try and give themselves the best chance possible. It was good to see Blackstenius really, I think, show what she can do in last night's game and why Arsenal wanted her in the first place is, is those runs in behind and that's what she does so well. And... 
you know, she hasn't been able to play like that at times for Arsenal because of the system and the way, you know, where Miedemar was playing as a nine. And like, so she hasn't had the best chance to often do that. But last night was kind of like peak Stina Blackstenius and she could have had two goals. She had to go off, unfortunately, because of injury and that shifted Arsenal so much. I mean, if she'd stayed on in that game and been fit, maybe maybe they could have won it. Um, but it was just frustrating to see Lena Hurtig come on and like her, her run vibe, Lena her, run her vibe is very like I'm just a moody teenage teenage boy and that's my vibe and like my it, brother compared her vibe to being like Viv Miedabar being like Meza Ozil without the requisite <laughs> level of talent that justifies when you kind of like float around the pitch looking moody yeah and it was she did she did give it a bit more sprint and aggression the last sort of five minutes but she was that on. was even more annoying I'd previously said well maybe you know she's only come back from injury she's not fully fit and then she started running around I was like nope she is just lazy that's, that's, that's what I bothered. said exactly that's what I said is her whole it's not injury it's her whole vibe is like every game she's played for Arsenal I just see her sort of trotting around the pitch and she you know Jonas Edeville had to put her on because he's got no you know he's got very little options but it was the sort of player where you're like Oh no! I was very surprised to see that coming on. I was like, "The fuck is happening here?" I know, and and then Freeman Marnum moves into the nine, and it doesn't really work. Um, and then you thought, right, Arsenal are clinging on for pens in this situation. Um, and like you say, the depth that Wolfsburg could come on, and they can just kind of go for the juggling now because you've got tired bodies. Jem Beatty was going down for cramp every five minutes and not even just the time wasting genuinely her legs were just giving up on her um, and Wolfsburg were probably licking them lips at the prospect of being able to punish Arsenal just for being tied bodies and it doesn't help that Zinsberger is just a bit of a mess <laughs> well yeah and I think also what made it easier for Wolfsburg was they were able to make the defensive changes you know bringing on Hegering for example for Lynn Vilms as well as saying, okay, we've made some attacking changes, but actually we're only really relying on one player to do something. Like, we're just going to let Eulebrand run around and kind of press whoever she wants. Like, whether it was Lotta, she was also, like, pressing Leah Volte. And that allowed Wolfsburg to keep... They, they Wolfsburg never got drawn in to, you know, like, going up and down the pitch. Like, they kept their shape, I think, quite well and just kind of allowed a totally fresh front three of Brand, Vasmuth and Bremer to, to to put pressure on Arsenal. And that's obviously just Arsenal didn't have the, the legs to do that. And I think, you know, bef- even before the game, that that was the the problem that you were was probably going to come across. And I think Arsenal will maybe regret not being able to create more chances in the first half for letting Wolfsburg get back in because, you know, that Jill Rod goal really changed the whole emphasis of the match. Uh, the first half, Wolfsburg had created like nothing. They looked really, really poor, I thought. Um, but then you leave Jill Rod unmarked on the edge of the area. She's got all the time in the world to take the touch. And, and it, it's a great goal. She loves she loves scoring in the Champions League. She loves scoring against Arsenal. She didn't really do much else, to be honest. But I think that was a real... In, in the, the same way that Wolfsburg had let Arsenal get back into the first leg, here Arsenal let... Wolfsburg get into the the second leg and then yeah they had the the physical ability to to go on and win yeah and I think also that's probably something that you know Arsenal did at points get physical and rough it up last night and they had to KTBK we know is good for that but other players kind of stepped up and in the first leg too but Wolfsburg are so physical are so big are so athletic and I think 
that really play into their I hands. I don't think they are anymore. I think, I mean, <laughs> she, Alex Pop trying to get a little yeah, body I mean, slam on Jen Beatty and ending up on her ass. Yeah, that was good. That I was think iconic. the whole point of Jonas and what Jonas is after is that he wants really physical players. And I, I think that's why you've seen Arsenal be able to stay in so many games recently. And I think lots of what Arsenal have done really well, and it's easy, like, I don't mean this negatively. I think it's impressive. Like, that they've used their physicality to put teams under pressure. Like, so much of that Conti Cup final win, it w- didn't just feel like it was the press that Chelsea couldn't play out of. But it was like, not only that, that the players that Chelsea would maybe expect to kind of be able to use their bodies to win drills, to move players out the way, they couldn't do that. And I think that's that's where we've seen teams really struggle against Arsenal. Like when you look at also the set piece goals that Arsenal have been able to score, um, like when you're thinking about, say, Jen Beatty's header, when you're thinking about Rafa's header in the first leg, I actually felt last night like, wow, this is a team who, even though traditionally we think of the Germans and Wolfsburg as being like these like the most physical team in the world I was like this this Arsenal team is a team who really feels like they can match them on that level I think it just changed as the game went on because Arsenal then had no players left. yeah yeah it's kind of like they were getting beaten up but it was like over about, time it was about Wolfsburg's running it wasn't about those individual duels in my opinion but the way that the way that partly the ref was managing the game as well is like those physical moments became like bigger battles where you've got like someone, I don't know who it was, I don't know if it was Jill Rod um, or Oberdorf just like taking out Seth Catley. It was like those kind of moments where you're like, you're watching a team get beaten up by another team and you don't you, you don't know if someone's going to get up off the floor. That, that's what it was I feeling know, but like. I think Arsenal did their fair bit of beating up as well. They did. No, they did. They did. And Jen Beatty's you know, multiple chances and the goal that she scores and the iconic moment where she absolutely body slams Alex Pop and the celebration. And Amber's, you know, wag content all night was 10 out of 10. I just want to say, you know how we had trouble or you separately had trouble with people when we were at Chelsea, you being told to sit down and me being told not to swear. Yeah. And Amber tweeting that I've just been told to sit down. My girlfriend just scored a head at like, I'm not going (laughs) to sit down. It's like, come on, man. Let people have, like, why would you be let the wag celebrate? Why would yeah. you be like, please sit down? <laughs> I understand, like, for persistent standing. Yeah. But I know. Again, if your girlfriend's just scored a header, yeah. I'd be tops off swinging. Tops off, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. 100%. Right. Someone wag Becky up so I can see that. <laughs> um, a couple. <laughs> 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 with me. <laughs> I just love the image of you in the I'll stand. I'll do it now if you Tips want. Tips out. Like, woo! <laughs> I'd love to hit Rachel Brown Finnis trying to commentate as BBC cut to that. <laughs> I would pay good money. Uh, we've had a couple of questions in, um, a few of them, I suppose, reflecting on how successful Arsenal kind of pulled off as a match day experience yesterday, because that was also what was so gutting is like the vibes were so good. And I also think, Jesse, we were talking about this this morning, but before we get onto the, the question, just want to kind of ref- see what you guys think, whether you think Arsenal, when it comes down to it, when they think about last night, will be pleased and happy to kind of go out on a high in front of a home crowd, in front of glorious bank holiday sunshine, rather than the prospect of potentially being humiliated by Barcelona in a Champions League final. I I get the point and I agree. I think it was really like, it was a really nice moment. Like if you have to lose and go out to be able to do it, like with the beautiful weather, with like your first sold out Emirates, um, you know, the opportunity for the fans to, uh, for the, players to really say thank you to all the fans and vice versa but like obviously you still 
take the final every time. Yeah, and I also think you go into that final as like the, the biggest underdogs ever, like ever. And so it's not as heartbreaking if you lose. I mean, it is heartbreaking, but it's not as devastating because they, they don't, you don't expect to win that. Whereas yesterday, they very much could have won that. And even if you go into that final and you lose, you've still had that moment of like, fucking hell, we've made it to Champions League final with mm. like... It is the best Collective feeling. like five knees between us yeah. in front of a sold out Emirates and glorious Bank Holiday Monday. Like that would live on forever, that moment. It's like, I think... Well, I don't know because we went on to win the Champions League that year, but Liverpool beating Barcelona in the way that they did mm. in that game, like that for me is is bigger than the final. Even like when, you know, us being humiliated by Barcelona, <laughs> I would take that match again and again for yeah. the feeling of... Really? When we beat Bayern. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Even though that trauma is like sits there. Yeah, because that feeling of like... And it's different for Arsenal because they've obviously won it before. But let's be real, like lots of people won't really who follow Arsenal now, like understandably won't have like a recollection of that. But that feeling was just like one of my favourite moments yeah. as, as being a Chelsea fan. You don't you don't get those those moments of joy that often. I, actually, it was quite funny because yesterday I was like... I mean, like, trust me, I'm a QPR fan. <laughs> yeah, I know this. This is why you don't understand. <laughs> <Yeah. Like, laughs> genuinely. Becky like, are really off all the time when Chelsea did this or Liverpool did You think that. I know what it means like to get a Champions League final? Please, Hannah. Please. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, I, was, I was thinking yesterday of like... Actually, I've been very, very lucky recently. Like England winning the Euros, Liverpool being great. I, I'm, Liverpool being I'm great. How recently <laughs> was the Liverpool being great? <laughs> so. um, and those moments of joy, like you don't get to to win everything all the time, and so you have to take those incredible moments when they come. And I think yesterday, if they'd have won, would have yeah, would have mm. been that, and that it would have gone down in in Arsenal history. A couple of questions then. Um, a few people were asking about the attendance last night and how important it is going to be to kind of get that support long term to to get the transition to bigger stadiums, which Arsenal seem like they're, they're very much on the way transitioning to the Emirates. Because I do think the atmosphere felt different last night. It felt like just consistent good vibes and noise. Often when we see women's teams play in main club stadiums, you get this kind of like lull and like general chit chatter and then like a rise when there's a chance and then like a general chit like chit chat but this was very consistent it was a very like engaged excited crowd so a couple of people have kind of asked what other teams can learn from what Arsenal did with this game and with other games but also like as a whole how do you keep that fan base engaged for me I think what's really stood out this season is kickoff times and the Emirates has been amazing, I think, for for large parts. Of the, well, I'd say from January onwards, it's been very impressive. I think also, obviously, Arsenal fans have a whole um, kind of reassessed their relationship with the Emirates. It feels like generally this is the season where the Emirates has finally, after all of these years, truly become home. But definitely, I feel like the games I've really enjoyed at the Emirates have been... Um, Manchester United, which was like a later afternoon kickoff. Um, it's just so nice in the in the afternoon sun, isn't it? It's just so Bayern. such a pretty. Now stadium. the weather has changed; it just changes everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bayern and this, whereas I felt like Chelsea, which was a twelve thirty kickoff, was the same hum. Mm. And equally, I don't think Chelsea have got anywhere near as close as what Arsenal have achieved with the Emirates, obviously. Um, but in terms of the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, I felt Leon was fantastic. Um, once 
the man had decided to shut up <laughs> about standing up. <laughs> Obviously, the result helped that um, and, the, and the drama there. But then Barcelona, average, 12.30 kickoff. So I think, I do think the later, and understandably, because you're much more likely, presumably, to go as a like family for the lunchtime game then maybe you are the later one or there's a more acceptance that, you know, some people might have had a few drinks. There's going to be a different kind of atmosphere later in the day. And I think that's actually one of those things which clubs can't necessarily control, but actually feels like one of the bigger factors in in how the atmospheres feel, regardless of what ground you're in. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. I do, you know, I think... I hate the twelve thirty kickoff. I think it just yeah, it, it was, just feels like it it's. St- I'm still waking up. It's still the morning. I have to wake up at like eight. If you have to have day. a pint before midday <laughs> to go to the it's football, just wrong. that's you know no one actually wants to be doing that. A, a couple of people have asked as well um, about what how this final will, will compare to the prospect of say um, a, a Chelsea Arsenal or a Chelsea Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg Barcelona final does feel like. <sighs> A bit of a drag. Um, I said last night that uh, if there was a Chelsea Arsenal Champions League final, it would be the first women's game where there were fights before. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it would be you, or my brother. It would be like scrappy like outside. I do peak like Italia ninety, like plastic chairs being thrown across <laughs> Eindhoven. <laughs> I was one of my friends was like, it would be so dumb for it to be Chelsea Arsenal, like. How many times do we have to watch Chelsea Arsenal in our lives? I know, but so now, it's, still so now good. it's not happening. I'm like, yeah, it would have been good. But it, it is a good. really good rivalry. It's just, it's become the best rivalry, I think. So I kind of think it would be, it would be, so, be, so, it would be so fun. But it also would be really dumb for us all to travel to, <laughs> to watch a team that, that we'd watch play each other. In a 35k stadium <laughs> when like both teams are big and Wembley is here, yeah. Uh, let's get a bit of a German perspective on last night's semi-final. Let's hear from German women's football journalist Alina Ruprecht. Really glad to say that German football journalist Alina Ruprecht joins me now. Alina, uh, thanks so much for jumping on Zoom with us. We really appreciate it. Firstly, obviously... We are in our little English bubble on social media and just, you know, around with fans and stuff. So I want to ask you, how did last night's win go down in Germany and on German football Twitter? It went down very well. I think the, especially the Wolfsburg fans were really, really happy that the team is back in the final after three years. And I think for German women's football in general, it's massive having Wolfsburg in the final. Just shows... The quality that we have and um, here in Germany, like sporting wise, and it's just massive. It was all over the news, all over on Twitter, and it's just great to have a German team there. Yeah, and, and what was the general mood across the two legs? Because looking at Arsenal's side, I'm sure Wolfsburg, a lot of Wolfsburg fans thought, okay, you know, this is a, we have a really good chance at this final because Arsenal's so depleted. So, were they getting quite nervy at the prospect of it also potentially going to penalties last night? Oh, I think both sides were really nervy. I think it was really unpredictable. I think the game could have gone both ways, to be honest. Because like the 2-2 in the first leg, that was also like a bit surprising. Because like me coming from Germany, I think Wolfsburg were the favourites going into this semi-final. But then 2-2, um, that was crazy. And um, yeah, so it was really unpredictable. And like I think extra time, that was realistic. And I personally thought it would go to Pence, but... 
it is what it is. And yeah, it was really unpredictable. We saw in this game as well that Tommy Stroot has sometimes put a lot of emphasis on playing the youngsters and at other times gone for the more experienced players. It's Eula Brand who ends up, you know, getting the winner for Wolfsburg. She didn't start in this in this leg. Were you surprised that it took so long for her to come on because she ended up kind of being exactly what they needed in that moment? Yeah, I think it was surprising. Um, of course, you need like speed on the wings if you come up against Arsenal, but also like a lot of experience if you really want to make that final step. And I think at the end, he, the, the head coach got the tactics right and also got the um, substitutions right and it worked out in some way. Um, but I think it was quite interesting to see Jule Brand coming on so late, but also it made a lot of sense to drop her at first for Alexandra Pop and then start um, Sven de Sion's Um It's difficult to say what was behind, the, what, what, what the thoughts were behind this move, but it made sense. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask about uh, Alex Pop because, you know, we know Pop is a player who can play and has played pretty much anywhere on the pitch, but I was surprised not only to see her in midfield specifically, but to see her almost playing in a double pivot with Lena Oberdorf, who is, you know, if there's one player in the world who I think you can comfortably say can uh, can cover that position herself, it, it's probably her. Do you feel like Stroot was maybe a bit too reactive to how Arsenal wanted to set up and maybe understandably, given that Arsenal got back into the game in that first leg, rather than than trying to take the game to Arsenal. Because I think just from a neutral perspective, that's what I expected Wolfsburg to be able to do, given Arsenal's injuries and and kind of given the the number of sort of pacey wingers Wolfsburg have at, at their disposal. You know, I know Tabea Vasmuth not had an amazing season this year, but obviously she was one of the standout players in the Champions League last year. We've touched on Brand. John Stott has looked really good recently. Yeah, we've seen that in the league a few times that um, Tommy Stroh played Alexandra Pop more in, um, in midfield, like more as a number eight sometimes, like... There was one game, I think it was Wolfsburg against Leverkusen in the Frauenbundesliga, where they played um, Alexander Pop and Svenja Hood as double pivot in, in defensive midfield. And it was quite funny to see, but it worked very well. So it just shows what an amazing player she is, that she can basically can cover any position. Like you can probably put her in goal and, she, and it would work. And it would, it would work out. But um, yeah, I think you need like a bit of a, playmaker in midfield and like with all the offensive talent and quality that Wolfsburg have it's like so difficult to put one of these players on the bench and if Pop works well in midfield then you just put her there and put all the other players up front I think that made a lot of sense in that game and that you have like a very vocal leader in midfield pulling the strings there and it worked well um was a bit of a surprise of course but um you can you could really see her impact she was involved in both uh, like the first goals and was a really dis- I think she was really the, the decisive player for for Wolfsburg in that second leg. Watching Wolfsburg this season especially in the Champions League and thinking of that PSG tie I've had this feeling that they they don't necessarily let themselves go and and play to p- potentially the you know the the levels that some of those individual creative players and attacking players can do and then maybe they're they're a little bit restricted in how they play quite conservative as well why do you think that is is that a, a Tommy Stroot decision is that you know that that you know 
they want to be smarter and they want to be kind of more practical in how they play and they don't want to risk too much because that's the best way to get to the final. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm, I'm confused as to why it's almost like I want them to just let go and unleash what they have because they are such a talented squad. On paper, when you look at that squad, you're like, wow, that's actually kind of one of the best squads in the Champions League. But then I have been a little bit disappointed with how they've played in this campaign. Yeah, I think they might be a bit disappointed with themselves as well. But I think at some points they just looked exhausted. They had like just like the English teams, a lot of games to play, like almost too much games to play. But I think it's also like I think Wolfsburg have gone past the need of like um focusing like or like lining up around one certain player. I think they like that's something that has changed since um since Tommy Stroh took over that they are playing more as a collective. And in a collective, like single players, like have to step back a bit, so that the whole collective, that, 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 that the whole team can really shine. But I think as a collective, they they are doing a really good job. And I think it's also something something German, like a bit of a German mindset that they are very disciplined, like playing out from the back, really, really, really like slow and not like starting really um, quick in attack and like. I think that's something that Arsenal did like with the long balls um, over the um, defensive line. And that, that's something that Wolfsburg wouldn't do. They like really play out from the back or over the wings from midfield and like really build up something. Um, and I think um, that's maybe why they looked a bit slower, less dynamic and didn't live up to their standards or what you would expect from them. But that's also what they play like in the league. Yeah, and I think maybe in the first leg we saw them mix up a little bit that um, that first goal comes from the ball over the top and comes when they try and go a bit more direct in transition. So do you think they have that versatility at their disposal, but Strutt's very like, don't, like we want to play a certain way and that's it, that's more important than necessarily trying to play quick transition football? Quick transition football is not the German way of playing football, so um, I think that's more the English way. Um, as I said, German football that's more pl- more based on the build-up play from the back, and I think that's something that they really want to stick to. And looking ahead to the final, with some players who have come on in games and played really well, having to blend in all this talent, what do you think we'll see him do now? Because Ulebrand kind of proved with that um, that goal that, you know, maybe she should start in the final, but she's still young and she's not someone that he's always looked to this season. Um, Jons Dottir had a fairly quiet game, um, but, you know, compared to the first leg especially, but also very young and talented. talented. Uh, Ewa Pajor, like, top goal scorer in the Champions League. So there's a lot of decisions that Tommy Street's going to have to make with his team. Um, Pauline Bremer came on and played really well as well. So what does he do against Barcelona? I mean, that just shows like one of the decisive factors that Wolfsburg had, like this immense squad depth. And I think that might have been the decisive factor if you look at the Arsenal squad hit with severe severe injuries. And um, yeah, but I think... um, Wolfsburg usually take it quite easy with the youngsters that come in, like Sven des Jonsdottir and Jule Brandt, that they like don't become a starter in the first season, although they have great, great talent. Like they develop them slowly, step by step. And um 
yeah, well, um, I think one of them will start in the final and um, it's tough decisions to make, but um, I think he might want to change a bit the tactics and maybe also the lineup because otherwise it gets too predictable for, for Barcelona. But we've seen Wolfsburg beat Barcelona last season already, so they know how to do it. And and I think also they learned from the 5-0 at Camp Nou. And also there was another German side that beat Barcelona, um, FC Bayern Munich. And I think Wolfsburg will also look closely at that match. And that just shows that Barcelona aren't unbeatable. But I, will, but I think it will be a very difficult match because Barcelona struggled against German sides. But Wolfsburg struggled also like with themselves a bit recently. Yeah, it, it, I guess the benefit for Wolfsburg is it's straight winner takes all, right? So they don't have to worry about being the better across two legs. It's just now or never. But there is this assumption, and it was the assumption for whoever got to the final against Barcelona, that Barcelona will just win. But... They, like you said, the, the the defeat to Bayern Munich in the group stage, the way that Chelsea played against them in the semi-final, they lost last year's final against Lyon. They are certainly not unbeatable. They're not invincible by any means. So what genuinely, what do you think Wolfsburg's chances are in this final? Uh, it's 50-50, really. Really unpredictable. Just like the, the second, like just like the semi-final can go both ways and I think Wolfsburg are really like they really have that mentality like it's their club slogan um always hungry if you translate it into English and um they've really wanted to be in the final like since three years and now they are back and I think they will really throw in everything they have to to win that title again they're really hungry for it well Lena thank you so much for joining us and um, enjoy Eindhoven and the final and um, we may catch up with you again but really appreciate you jumping on. Great thanks for having me. So we got to talk as well about the WSL relegation um I want to don't want to say race because it's not a race to be relegated. <laughs> race to the bottom. <laughs> race to the bottom but it does feel like that. Um some big, big results. Brighton really probably should have beaten Spurs. Spurs rescued a point against them at the Tottenham Hotspur Sorry, Stadium. Correction. Bethany England. Bethany England a rescued a point for Spurs. Leicester City with a huge 4-0 win over Liverpool. Liverpool absolutely on the beach. Like, got their sandals on. Could not care less. Until tomorrow night, though. Um, Matthew, uh, I said Matthew Beard. Matt Beard. Matthew. His Christian name, Matthew Beard. Um, Matt, He's in trouble. <laughs> Matt Beard was saying after the game, he, you know, he does want to take responsibility, but he also feels like the players should take a lot of responsibility for that performance. Yeah, I'm going to take responsibility, but also look at them Those guys. guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and, that's the way um, I apologise. <laughs> and he also said he feels bad for the fans. Um, their away Refunds. form is terrible. I don't think they've won a game away. No. Leicester's form right now is at home is epic um, and they are kind of in the driving seat Reading go one up against Man City for about 10 minutes and then you know what's going to happen Man City with 37 shots in that game Reading having these fast starts to game but they just can't contain it right now the table looks like Reading at the bottom with 11 points Brighton second from bottom with 13 points having played one game less and Leicester also on 13 points having played one game less Tottenham on 14 having played 19 games the same as Reading it's not looking good for Reading in many ways because also the men's team 
are on the verge of being relegated from oh my the championship God, double as relegation. well. I know, which does make you pretty worried about the future for both teams, really. Um, QPR are safe in the championship, <laughs> um, but that's not good for Reading. Um, they play Huddersfield, I think, midweek. If they lose that game, they will be relegated. Um, last game in the championship season is Monday, but there's a few midweek games because people are catching up. So, yeah, it's not a good week if you're a Reading fan. And given the way that their like, finish of this season looks, they've got Aston Villa coming up, Tottenham, and then Chelsea at home on the last day. The only game I see them potentially winning is going to be that Spurs game. But realistically, they've probably got to win a couple to they've give themselves already, a good chance. They've already taken the West Ham three points bonus <laughs> and everyone else still has time to cash it in. That's why I worry for them. That's why you worry for them. They the, took it too early. They, they, they cashed in too early. early. What too can early. you do? But yeah, it's, it's not looking good. And th- this has almost been on the cards a little bit for Reading for a while because you look at the way that other teams have invested. I mean, Spurs, for God's sake, they should be higher at the table. But... Other teams have been spending more and have had bigger budgets and Reading have kind of been clinging on a little bit the last couple of years after actually performing really well and kind of finishing top six for a little bit a few years ago. It's been a slow and steady decline and now they do feel like the favourites for relegation, Jesse. Yeah, as I say, I feel like if West Ham weren't six points ahead of them, I would put West Ham in there, but I think just the number of games... Reading have left um, and who they're against, even if they win against Tottenham, just feels like it's not going to be enough, especially with goal difference. And you could imagine that, you know, Chelsea might need still to win on the final day. Chelsea might need goal difference on the final mm. day. All of those kind of things like will come into play as well. Um, I mean, I will say I think Reading could hopefully take some heart from Bristol City and Birmingham if they did go down that we've not necessarily teams just seen teams just plunge and plunge like maybe we have in the past although of course you know what happens with the men's team might affect that but also that the depth in the championship we kind of touched on it last week but the fact that Birmingham beat Bristol City twice and still didn't get promoted and had such a good season then you've got such big teams down there that's the only thing it's like because there's only one promotion spot right now it's hard to get out but you would look I think on the face of it and say the teams you'd expect to see near the the top or nearer the top would be like your Crystal Palaces and your Southamptons and that doesn't seem to actually be like there wasn't a Premier League team that was Mm. eyeing up promotion in the in the championship and and really it's incredible that Reading have competed for and it'll be sad to see them go because they're the last team who's not a Premier League team in the WSL yep. um, and it's a Bristol City coming up but that's true that's true uh, one, <laughs> one up one, one down, down. <laughs> yeah. one but down. you know really it's ridiculous that Brighton Spurs and even arguably yeah, it's Leicester in, it's embarrassing who, who I guess if Leicester go down the men then then we'll get another. Yeah, true, actually. Yeah. So, be too. There, there's lots to hope for, lots to root for. <laughs> and I do we, give... We're rooting for Leicester women to stay up and Leicester men to go down so that the WSL has a team that isn't I just a think League. it's important to, for the like ecosystems of women's football to see other clubs. 100%. Like. And I, I do give Leicester a lot of credit though and Willie Kirk because actually when you look at squads, they've probably got the weakest squad in the division, but the fact that they've managed to pull off some massive results is so impressive because they do have the men's backing and they've got a brilliant training ground and they got the foundations and they're playing the King Power and all that kind of stuff but actually the budget on the pitch 
they haven't been able to attract the players that they would have liked. They haven't probably been able to spend as much as they need to. And like when you've got the amount that Spurs are spending, it's hard to keep up. But at the same time, like to do what potentially stay up with the squad they have is really impressive. And I just hope they get more money to work with this coming summer because then they can actually kind of like build on it. But yeah, won't Mm. hold my breath. Mm. (laughs) Um, When you were saying about the West Ham uh, points bonus, I thought that's a really mean thing to say on Kate's birthday. Oh, sorry. Happy birthday, Kate. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, given Kate's not playing, it's not really her problem. Yeah, so true, actually. (laughs) Bring back Longhurst, that's what I say. Uh, There are a few, there's a midweek game, um, Chelsea playing Liverpool because of the um, frozen over pitch gate drama. Free hot dogs, here we come. Free hot dogs, courtesy of Emma Hayes at this one. So if you haven't got a ticket, get one because you get free hot dogs. So worth the price of admission alone. And then this weekend, some big matches. Um, You've got United playing Tottenham, Liverpool City, Reading Villa, Brighton, West Ham. Maybe Brighton will cash in their West Ham token. Chelsea at home to Everton and Arsenal Leicester on the Friday night. We'll obviously be talking about that, but it's another bloody bank holiday for the Corrie. So we're going to be recording on Tuesday again. Sorry, diaries. Um, But yeah, Tuesday, we're going to be recording, covering all those weekend games and more. But for now... We will love you and leave you. We'll be back on Thursday with a special culture episode of Counterpress. Feels like a while since we did one of those. Um, it is. We're going to be talking about the it's documentary. Just been too much football. Too much. Genuinely, too, too much, much football. football for this football podcast. For fuck's sake, <laughs> we want to talk about stupid stuff. <laughs> we're going to be talking about a new documentary. Something quite serious, actually. <laughs> Something very I was like, serious. Oh, no. um, <laughs> called Category Woman, which is a new documentary that's just come out. If you Google it, you can find out a little bit of information about how you can watch it but it's a documentary all about sports long and problematic history with policing women athletes and their bodies it focuses on four specific athletes from the global south and talking about the medical intervention that sport has forced on them and also talking about the kind of history and context of sexism racism uh just everything uh, around kind of being a, a a female athlete essentially so we'll be discussing that on thursday's show but for now we will leave you there